Welcome to the Aspire Podcast, a podcast all about the diverse stories of those who have aspired into vocational Christian ministry. As we share people's stories, we hope to excite, encourage, and equip you to consider what it would mean to aspire towards vocational Christian ministry. Thanks for joining us again on this next episode of the Aspire podcast. We're really glad that you've uh, tuned in. Uh, Today, our guest is Jeff Greenman. Uh, Jeff is the president of Regent College uh, in Vancouver, Canada, and he's been in that role for the last uh, seven years and has been working at Regent College uh, for uh, nine years altogether. His theological uh, area of uh, expertise, I guess, is that of Christian ethics. And we're really glad that Jeff's joining us. And Jeff, we're really thankful for your time. Would you like to maybe just introduce yourself briefly, tell us a little bit about um, your family, maybe the church that you go to and uh, the, the type of church that that is, just to help our listeners get to know you a little bit. And then maybe just briefly explain, what does it mean to be the president of a theological college? Because just as you and I talked before we uh, jumped online, uh, it's an unusual title, president. So do you want to just flesh some of those things out for us a little bit, Jeff? I'd, I'd be glad to. It's really great to be with you. And uh, hello, listeners, wherever you may be. Um, well, who am I? I'm Jeff Greenman. I'm American originally, and then uh, eventually came to be a student at Regent College in the 1980s, which is where I met my wife, whose name is Janet, who's a Canadian. And then we uh, we are very blessed to have two children who are adults now, and uh, one lives here in the Vancouver area, one lives in the U.S., and is married, and COVID has uh, disconnected us a little bit, like many other families, but um, that's us. We're a small family, and uh, we have been, as you're saying, in in Vancouver now for the last nine or so years. Church-wise, we attend St. John's Vancouver, which is an Anglican church. Uh, Anglican is my background, but then during our married life of over 30 years, we've been uh, in Baptist churches, Presbyterian churches, Community churches of a non-denominational kind. We've been in many different churches. I'm kind of eclectic that way. Um, And um, that's kind of a little bit of a read on us. And yes, Christian ethics is my field, which is a very broad kind of field. So I've taught across a lot of different areas, which I really enjoy. Mm. And um, your question was about, oh, the title president. President, Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in North America, the usual title for these sorts of institutions, theological colleges, seminaries, uh, Christian colleges or universities, typically is president. And in the British world, and and, uh, certainly in the UK, probably in Australia, principal is more normal. Yes. Uh, Regent began in 1970, and the title was principal because there was a lot of British influence in the early days in terms of its structures and so on. And... So uh, it was only in, I believe, 1988, they changed the title to president, which is just more conventional. Um, Principal is what we typically use in elementary or high school level, uh, sort of primary school, high school. So school principals are there, but in post-secondary education, principals hardly ever exist, with a few exceptions uh, in this part of the world. So anyway, that's why I'm called president, um, for, for better or for worse. Uh, if um if you had to pick sort of the highlight of the week, just not maybe not this particular week, but just in a particular week, if we have someone on our podcast who may be aspiring to be either principals or presidents of theological colleges at some point down the track, what's the highlight, do you think, of being someone who leads a theological college in your capacity? 
Ooh, that's a good question. I think most of us who are in these sort of roles have kind of stumbled into them. I don't think very sure. many of us set out. Yes. When, when I think being an astronaut or a fireman or something was probably much more appealing at an early age than being a theological school president or principal. Um, well, the highlight of the week for me, I, I, I love being able to do a lot of different kinds of things. I, I yep. get to work yep. with students. Uh, and I still teach, uh, which is always a great highlight. We have wonderful students. Uh, I love working with our staff. I like the nitty gritty of figuring out strategy and budgeting and using your resources well, uh, thinking ahead to the future. Um, I, I really enjoy working with our board of governors. That's called differing things in different structures, but we call it a board of governors. Yeah, I've spent time with some of them this week. Uh, so yes, I mean, the variety I really enjoy because it's a very multifaceted kind of job. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Jeff. Now, um, you mentioned, and, um, I think as I've got to know some theological college principals, I don't know many presidents. I've been introduced to one yes. tonight, which is great. Well, but, you, know um, one anyway. you mentioned that very few people in a sense plan to undertake this role. They almost sort of stumble into it. So I'm wondering, would you like to share with us, uh, and some, and with some of our listeners a little bit about the journey that you've taken into I guess, vocational ministry initially, and then maybe I'll ask a follow-up question about how that then turned into becoming the president of Theological College. Can you maybe yeah, tell, yeah, tell us sure. about how you... Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, uh, it's not something that I ever planned to do, mm. but it makes sense, actually. I think mostly we can understand God's leading and guidance backwards mm -hmm. um, by looking back uh, over the shoulder, so to speak. So... I mean, for me, a big part of the story was um, to sort of put some pieces together as efficiently as I can. Uh, I come from an academic background in the sense of my family. My mother was an elementary primary school teacher. My father uh, was a physician who became a medical school professor and then a medical school dean. Yes. Uh, and so it, it was kind of in the air that education was something like the family business. Um, I had a lot of interest in uh, politics and government, and I was actually working in the American government in Washington at the time I decided to drop that and come to Regent to be a student. And we can talk more about that if you wish, but I was, I was a relatively new Christian. I was thinking, uh, is government and politics really where I'm called to be and where I should serve? I had other people in my life saying, well, you have some of the leadership gifts and communication gifts to be a pastor. Mm. So have you thought about that? And, you know, I, I was very involved in ministry and I, I love leading small groups and Bible studies. And I was very involved and, and very committed. And people saw that and they thought, well, I, you obviously like that and, and that's rewarding for you. So maybe you should do that. And then in the back of my mind, maybe because of my family background a bit, I had this idea of an academic future maybe. And I, and I was a very strong student. Yeah. So I came to Regent to be a student in 1985, which dates me as a very old guy. Uh, I joke with students that there were dinosaurs on our campus at the time <laughs> I arrived. Um, but I, I arrived in a state of, of kind of vocational discernment. I just didn't really yes. know. I knew yes. I wanted, in whatever path I went, this was service to the Lord and with the gifts that I'd been given, but I didn't know what that would look like. Yeah. And so in my discernment, I, I did the MDiv at Regent, but I was never ordained. Yes. And I went yes. into the MDiv, which I didn't initially intend to. I was going to do more of a two-year academic degree. I wound up doing the MDiv degree. And I did that deliberately in order to really seriously explore a congregational ministry yes. as the place where I was destined to be. 
Well, the turning point in my story really was uh, during my last two years as a student of the three years I was a, a student doing the MDiv, I was the uh, assistant on a part-time basis to the principal of the college, he was, as he was then called. Right. Uh, and uh, named Carl Armerding, wonderful man, Old Testament scholar, um, still a very good and close friend of mine. But he became a real mentor to me. And my experience being on kind of the inside of theological education by working for him exposed me to how, how these schools work. So I got a chance to work on fundraising. I had a chance to work with student recruitment. I got a chance mm. to work on curriculum revision. I had a chance to work on uh, working with the board. I got to know some board members and the board chair really well. And strange as it might seem, I found it all quite fascinating. Uh, and I saw, oh, it takes quite a lot behind the scenes to make mm. a really great experience possible for students. Yes. And I was having a really great experience as a student. But I got a chance to see what it was kind of in the kitchen to yep. cook the meal as opposed yes. to just have it served up on, on the table. Yep. And I got quite fascinated by that. My father had at that point become the dean of a medical school. And we started kind of comparing notes about how do you run a medical school and how do you run a theological school or a seminary. Yep. Um, and so I just got uh, Carl's uh, gave me lots of opportunities, opened lots of doors, was a wonderful mentor. And I kind of got hooked on the idea that maybe this was something that would open up in the future. Mm. And that's how it wound up. Um, I, I say a lot of people who, who go into kind of academic theology, they don't really plan on being an administrator uh, yes. or a dean or a president or something. A lot of people that are drawn to academics because they're really strong academically, very gifted in that area, they want to serve the church as a Bible scholar, theologian, church historian, pastor, whatever whatever area of, the, of their particular interest. I think most typical academics, they don't really want to be involved in the nitty-gritty stuff like figuring out how budgets work and uh, what the bylaws of the governance handbook say. Sure. Uh, they'd much rather be reading books and writing articles and hanging yep. around with students and going yep. to conferences. Yes. And yep. all that nitty-gritty stuff doesn't really interest them that much. Yep. But I'm quite, I guess I'm kind of strange that I've always found that really interesting. And it's all making possible something really mm. wonderful for students. And, yeah. and, of course, for faculty, too. For faculty students, when they get together, just to sort of setting the table, to use my, my, my image again, sort of yeah. setting the table as well as we can for a wonderful meal when students and faculty sit down together. Now, some of our listeners um, are considering fairly seriously some form of formal theological education. Most of our listeners are sort of in the ages of about their early to mid-20s. What stage of life were you up to when you went to Regent? And then well, what happened after Regent College between then briefly and when you then became the, the president? Yeah, no, I think that's a very common age. Most of our students at Regent are mid-20s to late-30s, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A number of them have given given some years of, of work after their undergraduate degree. Yes. Uh, tested some things out, done some ministry. Yes. Uh, and then they're they're looking for discernment. They're looking for further equipping. They're looking for some specific training in specific areas. Mm. I was also about that age. I was about 26, I think, when I came. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I had actually an undergraduate degree, and then I did a. I had the great privilege of being at Oxford for two years uh, as a student, and then worked for a few years in the American government, and then I came. Mm. 
did this degree. I wor- I, I've done several things. I worked um, immediately upon my graduation from Regent with a mission organization yep. called African Enterprise, Yes, um, which is may, might be known to some Australians. It's got an Australian kind of visibility to it. Yes, it is. It um, is known by some. Yeah, I'm aware of African Enterprise. Yeah, it's a wonderful ministry founded by a man named Michael Cassidy, a uh, mm-hmm. South African. It's had an incredible ministry of evangelism, leadership training, racial reconciliation across the African content continent. Uh, I think of him as Africa's Billy Graham, and uh, he's an sure. amazing, amazing man, an unbelievable man. Um, so I had the privilege of, of leading their Canadian work for three years. Yeah. Um, and then in, in discerning kind of the next step would be in the direction that I was, was saying. It wasn't back to politics and government. Mm. And it wasn't back to, in a sense, congregational ministry and ordination. I really felt to, to go in this more academic direction. Yes. With an eye towards some sort of academic leadership role down the road. So I was a bit different than your typical student going off to do a Ph.D., in theology, and that I always had it on my mind that that my gifts that God had given me included leadership gifts mm-hmm. and a kind of visionary nature and a bit of an entrepreneurial kind of bent. And I'd had this experience with Carl Armading at Regent as my mentor to kind of see how schools went. So it was always on my mind, likelihood that I'd be involved in that and an interest in that. But the next steps were to do a PhD, uh, which I did at the University of Virginia, Thomas Jefferson, founder of the university, very famous location in, in the U.S., um, had a wonderful uh, education there, and our two kids were born there. What, what was your What was your area of inquiry in your PhD? Yeah, it was it was really in the, in the area of religious ethics was my specialty, okay. and within that, I, I focused mostly on Christianity and Judaism, yes, uh, more than other religious systems. Um, and wound up doing a dissertation on a very strange topic of really 17th century Anglican moral theology. Okay. Um, of all things. Yes. Uh, because it was my own theological background, and I stumbled quite accidentally upon a topic that I thought was important and no one had really thought about much before. Yeah. Um, I won't bore you with the details of that, but... Um, <laughs> We'll get, our, really we'll get our listeners to do some Google searches and maybe uh, try and find uh, some articles. Well, there, there you go. Some, some eager Googlers could maybe find it. Um, sure. <laughs> um, and so what, what happened there was I wasn't even finished uh, writing my dissertation yet when I got a call from uh, someone who I had known at Regent Days who had since gone on, uh, one of the faculty, who had since gone on to be the dean of a school in Toronto. Yep. Uh, at the time called Ontario Theological Seminary, now called Tyndale Seminary. Yes. Uh, Ward Gask was his name, and he called me up and said, well, you know, we, we're starting a new program uh, for lay people, an evening master's degree for lay people. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, you're the kind of person who might be interested in that. You know, right. can we talk about that? Sure. Well, so this call came out of the blue. I said, sure, I'll come and talk to you about it. And yep. in about four months, I was hired and on the job. That sounds um, great. And so then we, we started a, an evening master's program for lay people. Uh, keep your job. Come in, come one evening a week mm. over what was eventually a three-year kind of period, part-time. Yes. It yes. was wonderful. I loved it. And mm. uh, I, was, I, was, I was sort of the director of that program from my very first job, which is not also the usual way that, that academic careers go. Yes. You usually start out in a very traditional teaching role and then eventually add some administrative role later. Mm. But I sort of started right from the beginning and Ward yes. knew me well enough to know that maybe it would fit me. Yeah. 
That sounds great. Let's um, think or help our listeners understand a little bit about Regent College. Do you want to tell us just a little bit about the college? How big is it? How many students? Uh, what type of sort of degree programs do you offer? Yeah. And I guess I'm particularly interested in helping our, our listeners understand what's what do you think is sort of not, I mean, I want to say uniquely different about Regent, but I'm interested in hearing what do you think is the sort of the contribution that Regent's making in terms of uh, the theological education that it's providing? Yeah. Well, well, lots of questions there. Um, yeah. uh, Regent is in Vancouver, British Columbia, which is a beautiful part of the world. And we are an affiliated college of the University of British Columbia, which is a major 60,000 person university. We're literally at the end, the main entrance. We're across mm -hmm. the street from the main entrance to the university. And so from the beginning, Regent has been a bit different. It was really unique and innovative back in its day when it began in 1970. And what made it unique was that it was really designed primarily for lay people yes. who are looking to deepen their faith, looking for a more integrated way of life. So connecting up the dots between uh, their faith and their work, their vocation, their culture, their society, people trying to navigate that. And uh, I say it was it was started in 1970. And so the planning process emerged out of the from the mid 1960s. And, and your, your listeners will at least know that, that in many parts of the world, especially in North America, the mid-60s were tumultuous. There was lots of big cultural change. The Vietnam War was on. Mm. The sexual revolution was on. The environmental mm. crisis was starting to be recognized. I mean, yeah. it was heady times. And this it came out of a particular church in Vancouver called Granville Chapel in the Plymouth Brethren tradition. Okay. The lay leaders said, uh, none of whom themselves had theological education, we better actually think more deeply about our Christianity and understand our world more deeply because mm. so much is swirling around us and more and more people are going to university, but we can't have a kind of Sunday school faith and an advanced degree university life and put those together very well. Mm. So that's where Regent came about. It was the first school of its kind, really primarily for the laity. It's always had a ministry training track to it. Yes. But unlike most seminaries, we don't call ourselves a seminary and never have because seminary has been defined primarily as preparing people for the vocational ministry as in congregational leadership, ordination, pastoring and so on. Yes. That's never been our primary thing, but it's always been there. And I, yes. I did the MDiv myself. Yep. Um, but it's been more for lay people to integrate their faith, have a deeper faith, deep into the Bible, understand our world, live faithfully in that world. That's been the distinctive thing. And it really still is. That still is, in a sense, the distinguishing mark about Regent. We've been uh, just a couple of signs of that, that from the from the very early days, very committed to thinking theologically about the arts. All of those arts, music and poetry and visual arts and drama and everything in between, the arts have been very important to us. And back in 1970, that was a really strange thing for a theological school to get into. Mm. We've also, from the very beginning, been interested in what we call the marketplace, which is the world of business and careers yes. and professions. Yes. And a great pioneering professor in that area has been a man named Paul Stevens, who's uh, really been a pioneer of the faith-work integration conversation. So uh, those things are, in a sense, expressions of the bigger vision that's built off of a strong biblical theological foundation. Uh, and so that, that has been the kind of the distinctive vision. Engage the world, be better equipped, be faithful where you are. Churches should be equipping the saints to, to uh, live their lives faithfully every place. Uh, 
Mm. And the kind of deepening on rooting is really the essential thing that we try to do. One of the things that we are observing in Australian culture, which uh, from a distance I, th I observe, but not broadly in American culture, is the rise of what some would call secularism. And obviously there's been some very significant works produced over the last 10 or 12 years, some of which our listeners may have been aware of or may have yeah. dipped into. Um, I guess I'm interested in just hearing, uh, given that Regent is seeking to make a really valuable addition in helping people think well about integrating faith and work and the engagement in the marketplace, which feels like there's that sense in which it's equipping the graduates to think hard about how do I either continue in my profession in the market, in, in, in my secular, in my, in my job, as opposed to doing the career diversion to take up being a church pastor. What do you think are some of the particular challenges at the moment in the current season as Christians keep wrestling with some of these big ideas? Do you, are you able to identify maybe one or two that might also help our listeners in their early 20s, mid-20s, as they're doing the same thing, trying to wrestle with that challenge of increasing secularism, uh, declining in biblical literacy, and a move away from sort of Judeo-Christian values generally in our society? Uh, what are some of the particular challenges that you think uh, need to be addressed at the moment? Yes. No, it, it's a very challenging time. I think in a lot of ways, Canada and Australia are, are fairly comparable cultures in a lot yes. of ways. Yes. Christian heritage, very strong in many ways. Uh, secularization is, is, is very advanced and advancing. Pluralism is very much championed. Uh, Christians, I think, are adjusting to the new reality of not being kind of the socially dominant group. Mm. Um, and also, we're, we're big, empty countries um, with, uh, you know, lots and lots of miles, square, square miles or square meters of, uh, of land mass and not very big populations. Canada has a few yes. more, more million people, but, but not many. Um, and so there's a kind of a, a, of a cultural affinity between our two countries. And, and actually, we've had quite a lot of Australians come and study at Regent over the years. Yes. Um, the, the woman that's currently our student body president, by the way, is an Australian named Amy Deutscher um, from Sydney area. So we've, we've got a, a great connection with Australia, and I, and I really love the place. But in terms of, of specifically some of those challenges, I think, you know, the changing nature of the workplace is one of those. Mm that I think is really challenging for all of us. It's no longer um, taken for granted that work was what it was 20, 30 years ago. Yes. Uh, the workplace is changing a lot. And I said, you know, Regents had a conversation around faith and work for a long, long time. But that's an ever-changing conversation because the, the, the move towards digitization, mm -hmm. uh, when we emphasize so much relationship, here's one of, one of the examples, right? One of the things Region has valued so much is personal relationship, face-to-face -face connections, community, yes. Yes. Uh, serving people face-to-face. -face. Tons of our graduates have gone into those sort of lines of ministry. And now they're being told, well, actually, um, not only just because of COVID, but even beyond COVID, uh, everything's going to be online from now on. Yeah. Um, because that's the nature of things. People are going to now work from home and be on Zoom and actually not actually gather. We're not going to have an office anymore. Mm. Uh, so there's a lot of change that's happening with technology, it's happening with social relationships, it's happening with the sort of scattering of people into smaller and smaller little pockets, you might say. Yes. And I think one of the things to figure out is how to navigate that as, as a Christian. How in Christian ministries do you navigate that? How in secular workplaces do you navigate that? 
Uh, how do you build strong relationships and face-to-face -face relationships and caring relationships in a digitizing and distancing world? And it seems like COVID has only just accelerated something that was already kind of in the works. Yes. Um, so I think there's one example of the kind of thing that you really, really want to wrestle with. Mm. Just to give you another one, it's, it's the political world that we live in. And yes. we're wrestling with this. Uh, talking to students about it a lot, and it's it's perhaps a part of Australia. I don't know Australia as well as I do the U.S., but an increasingly bifurcated, polarized, intensified yes. uh, environment, not a lot of common ground between factions anymore, and a sense that the stakes are getting higher and higher about a lot of political issues. Yes. Um, and what is the place of Christians in such a world? Could someone be called to be a servant of Christ in the midst of such a thing? Yes. Um, what, one of our graduates who's very well-known public figure in your country is Mike Baird. Yes. And so Mike was very much wrestling with his calling to public life when he was at Regent and, and mm. had his stint mm. in leadership, as you know. And so um, he's a good example of someone who can take up that mantle, at least for a season of his life, uh, as a servant of Christ in the midst. Yes. So how do you how do we function in a polarized, politicized, angry, intense environment? Um, what's the role for Christians in the midst of all of that? Could someone call you vocationally into that world? And if so, what would that mean for you? Right. Yes. I mean, there's a couple of examples of the kinds of things we're just wrestling with now, you know, quite a lot that are very contemporary in our changing world. Uh, under the belief that all Christians are called to use their gifts to serve Christ where they are. Mm. And Christ may call people into those frontline um, kind of ministries in, in places that are going to be challenging to be in for sure. Yes. I think the other thing that we're observing, I don't know if this is true in Canada, is there has been a move um, in some circles and part, in some parts of our country where it's not as if religion is trying to be completely removed or done away with but there's a much stronger push for the privatization of religion. Yeah. So I think some people who are not positive towards religion are not saying you shouldn't be religious. They're just right. saying you can be religious, but do it in the privacy of your own home or in your own church buildings. Please do not engage in the public marketplace of ideas. Please yes. do not speak publicly. Is that a similar trend in Canada? And if so, what, yes. what advice? Because, yeah. because I guess I've, you know, I've had some engagement with some graduates recently who have almost asked me exactly this same question. I'm in a workplace which appears yeah. um, a bit hostile towards Christianity. They're not saying I can't be Christian. They're just saying right. keep it silent and out of the workplace. Any advice or yes. wisdom there? For oh, well, people? I don't know how much wisdom. It's a huge thing to wrestle through with people uh, uh, depending upon their own context. But mm. but generally, absolutely, that's right. The same thing. It's it's like religion can be fine so long as it's totally private. Yes. Keep it away from me, please. Don't impose yes. anything yes. upon me. That is the way the Canadian society is going. A lot of okay. Canadian laws are lining up with that. Yes. And the, the, the theological problem, if I could put it that way, is that if Christ is Lord of everything, our faith can't be privatized, just put in the closet, so to speak. Yes. But on the other hand, we don't have the social condition anymore of being the dominant cultural force as Christians. Yes. Yes. So how do you live in a pluralistic environment um, faithfully and true to who you are uh, in your faith, respecting other people without just saying, well, it's fine for you, fine for me. There, mm. There's a call of the gospel to repentance and faith. Yes. Uh, we think that there's truth in what we're actually on about here and not just my opinion or yours. 
And so, yeah, no, we were wrestling with these questions of pluralism and uh, being good neighbors in the midst of a really complex environment. Mm. Um, and in our, in our context, and I'm sure it's true also in yours, there's also so many stories of church leadership that has gone awry mm -hmm. and sometimes abusively awry. Yes. Not just um, like, oops, I'm sorry. It's like, oh, no, that was a major, major mistake. That was a mm -hmm. failing, a moral failing of the first order. Mm -hmm. Those kinds of issues are very much a part of the Canadian story and perhaps also in your country to some extent. Well, in, in light of that, it really puts you on your back foot, doesn't it? Yes. Um, why is this Christianity supposed to be so great? So I think um, it's different questions of witness and evangelism and... Uh, relationship and neighbor loving, uh, that all looks very different than it did 20 years ago mm. uh, as well. And we need to, I mean, one of the beautiful things about Regent that I love, if I could say this, Patty, is just it's an international environment. Yep. We have students from all over the world, from Europe, from Latin America, lots of Brazilians, people from Australia, New Zealand. We have people from India. We have people from Hong Kong and Singapore and Korea and everywhere else. And, and just an international conversation around the different contexts and challenges. Mm. And some of our brothers and sisters from other parts of the world have lived with very restrictive environments for a very yes. long time. Yes. And I think we in places like Canada and the U.S. actually have a ton to learn from our brothers and sisters who have lived in Muslim countries. Yes. Lived in, in intensely Buddhist countries. Um, yes. Uh, and we can learn from them about what it is to be faithful and, and witnesses and share the gospel in in the, the kind of situations that we're increasingly facing. Yeah. Uh, our time is nearly up, so here's sort of my final question, a really bit of a chance for you to say whatever else you'd like to uh, encourage our listeners with. But the last question we often um, ask our guests is, um, what advice would you give our listeners, knowing that they're roughly in that sort of mid-20s, mid early to mid-20s, they're thinking hard about what they should be aspiring to? And I guess it's partly this question, the extent to which I ought to do the career diversion, perhaps yeah. to go to traditionally what you guys would call the seminaries, right. uh, to then give up a sort of a profession that they may have invested in in their undergraduate degree and that they're currently working in for the cause and the call of the gospel, yeah. church pastoring, um, yeah. Yeah. versus the tension about how much do I stay in the workforce but take out some time to do theological education in a more yeah. formal setting to really deepen my understanding and of the word and my love of people and my love of the Lord Jesus. And what advice would you give some of our listeners at that sort of stage of life as they're wrestling through this, these questions? Well, a couple of things. One is the obvious thing, which is uh, take that question seriously and pray into it very seriously and, yes. and also get very wise counselors around you. Yes. Uh, don't try to do things on your own. Um, although, you know, we're very independent minded in places like, Australia and Canada. Yes, true. So that's really important. I think in terms of uh, one, one general thing I'd say is that I think a lot of people in that age group that I'm familiar with, a lot of our own students, they're very hungry for a deeper faith, a more connected, a more integrated faith. Mm. They really want places to wrestle with. What does it mean to be a Christian in this world that we're in? What a crazy world. Yes. Um, I'm serious about this faith. It's sticking with me. I'm sticking with it. But what's it going to mean to live out my life in this kind of a world? And I think, mm. I think it's worth taking time and energy to really put down deeper roots. Yes. Um, I think it really is worthwhile in ways that people don't necessarily immediately understand until you start dipping your toes into it. 
Yeah. Um, so in terms of, of stepping out or staying in, you might put it that way, to step out for several years for particularly is a very big commitment, mm. whether you're staying in Australia or you're thinking about coming to Canada or U.S. or Britain or somewhere else. It's a huge commitment. For some, it's exactly what God calls them to. There yes. are other, and I mean, also in terms of theological education, we have a low residency program that allows you to keep your job and yep. come for a couple of weeks a year and keep mm -hmm. uh, two, two residencies of two weeks a year. You'd, you'd keep your job and in the meantime, do the rest of this work. There's other programs that are, that are capable of allowing you to kind of stay put where you are. Mm. So there's a variety of different ways to do it. That's what I would say. Look carefully at the different ways and options. Yes. Weigh up what's best for you in terms of who you are, your life circumstance, how you learn, etc. And pray and seek the wisdom of others for what, what's the next step for you to have deeper roots, a more integrated faith, really wrestle with these things mm. so that, that we can all be faithful in the situation that we find ourselves in. Great. Jeff, thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. Really, really appreciate your time and uh, the great wisdom and all that our listeners have been able to learn a bit about your role and uh, Regent College. Thanks for your time. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure being with you. Mm -hmm.